0: Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are going to be giving you one of 50 Mama interviews. These interviews have been conducted by Drama Victoria over the last two years to celebrate their 50th birthday. These 50 interviews are 50 conversations with 50 legends of the Victoria drama teaching game. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a slightly longer than usual version of The Aside. Please note that the audio quality varies depending on where the interview was recorded.
1: Ahoy! Marg Henley. Ahoy there. <laughs> Welcome to the Legends interviews, Marg, and thank you very much for coming in this afternoon. Um, I'm interviewing Marg Henley at the Drama Victoria Conference, Sailing Ahead with Drama. And Marg, the first question I'd like to ask you is how, when, and why did you become involved in drama and education or drama education?
2: Uh, I was. I was first introduced to drama in the classroom when I was in Year 7 uh, by a little Indian lady whose name I don't recall, who had long black hair right down to the back of the joints in her knees, wow. and, uh, and I loved it, and I was not a very good student at high school, I was um, I was a little bit of a problem child for my first three years at high school and she was one of the few teachers who seemed to get me and And I decided then and there that I'd like to be a drama teacher.
1: With long black hair down to the joints <laughs> in your <hair. laughs> Isn't that interesting because that would have been quite unusual at the time. Drama wasn't really enshrined in curriculum was it? And there was
2: no drama in Year 8 yeah. or Year 9. Um, all year ten I changed schools from a government school to a private school mm-hmm. and uh, there was uh, there was minimal drama I think we I think we, we read a play script one, mm. uh, one period of English a week that was drama in Year 10. Yep. And I had the opportunity to go to Yarra Valley, which was then an all-boys school, to audition for their straight plays. So I was okay. one of their, uh, their female actors in their straight plays when I was in Year 11 and Year 12. And that was the clinger for me. Then I thought my first two options on my VTAC form were drama at Ralston and drama at Melbourne and drama
1: at Melbourne it was. Yeah so it was a fatal attraction for you from a very young age. Yes. Yeah. But teaching had
2: always been there and I suspect that's a uh, an inborn family trait. Ah. My mother's a teacher, my sister's a teacher, my great-grandfather was a teacher.
1: It's in the genes. It's in the genes. Well there yeah. you are. Now would you like to talk about the changes that you've witnessed over the time you've been working in drama and theatre, Marg?
2: Right, okay, well when I was first teaching drama was seen to be very much a playtime, fun time thing that you mostly did with junior classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, pushing the desks back. Yes, pushing the. Oh, if you were lucky, and I was lucky, I was working in a school at Mount Evelyn Tech that uh, that had a space wow. that uh, that let you do that. However, I was only there as a casual relief teacher because I started having my family while I was still at uni. Ah. So, uh, so okay. I started my teaching career with six years of doing CRT work, but a lot of it was in uh, was in drama.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh So. Uh, Towards the end of that six years, I started to get experience in year 11 and 12 because the school was starting to take drama seriously. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I got a part-time job at Croydon High School, as it was then. And I've seen it go through Croydon High School, Croydon Secondary College, Croydon Maroondah College and into its current uh, manifestation as Melbourne College. And I've been there for the past... I think I'm coming into 27 years.
1: Wow, what a fantastic um, tenancy. It's amazing. Yeah, at that school To uh, grow something like that.
2: But the drive was already there for it because I actually took the position that Peter Warbridge had, a Uh 0.5 position. Peter was 0.5 at Croydon High School and 0.5 as President of Drama Victoria. Ah. There we go, the circle goes around. Isn't
1: that extraordinary? Yeah. Yeah, so you picked up the the chalice and off you went. we went yes I'm sorry I have to keep putting my glasses on to look down at this mm-hmm. so could we could we could you walk us through the highs and the lows of your career you can start with a low and finish with a high or start with a high and go to a low it's up to you mark
2: okay um the lows are those times when you get given your timetable for the next year and your heart sinks and you go, you know, that's not really where my heart wants to go next year, where mm-hmm. my passion is next year and and I have to look at how do I make this into something creative. Uh, last year for the first year ever, I didn't have any drama. <sighs> Ouch. So that's what I've been dealing with all year this year. No that would be dr- like a no sort drama. of a...
1: After what you've described to me, that would be almost like a little grief, wouldn't it, Oh, really? it's huge,
2: huge sense of loss. Yes. Huge yeah.
1: sense of loss. Um, and uh, it's
2: unfortunate, but it's because of the merge in a school. Okay. And uh, too, too many staff, too many staff qualified in particular subject areas. So there's just not enough to go around for everybody. <sighs> Mm. so that's um that has actually been a very difficult thing because in my head I had thought they will be dragging me out of the drama classroom when I'm 75 years old and saying come on come on enough is enough and I'll still be volunteering to come back yep. and help yeah but in fact I haven't been given those uh, those opportunities
1: is the picture better for you next year no no, more of the same.
2: I, I do have some drama, but some junior drama.
1: Okay. And
2: unfortunately, a subject that appears to be a dance drama subject, and I have no dance background.
1: Oh, None. well, we can put you in touch with people right here at the conference <laughs> that can help you out.
2: At 58, do I want to no, learn to be a fine. dancer? No, did so. a,
1: I did a dance class recently mm-hmm. at a school I was... Believing at which I was given, just like you, I was given, and you have to do this. And I'm like, okay, oh, here we go. Occupational health and safety. But fortunately, there was a fantastic dance teacher there who just sort of walked me through everything, and it was okay. It was good. Um, highs. Okay. Um,
2: highs. I can remember quite some years ago theatre studies class. Uh, The kids were doing T.S. Eliot's murder in the cathedral. I had a very mixed bunch of kids in terms of capability, but I had one girl who was quite illiterate Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to read and write and it was a dyslexic type problem but Mm -hmm. she got all the way through through to year 12 because she was a lovely girl so everybody passed her because she was lovely
1: yeah and there's that idea of keep promoting keep promoting and she's nice
2: she's not causing any problems so we just keep passing it um I became very aware of of the problem and went we have a text to learn she has got to learn lines mm. and uh, I worked so hard with her and with her family it was it was a long time ago because they didn't have a computer and we organized a computer so that when she typed things up it would correct for her yep. or at least underline things that were wrong uh-huh. uh, because it was that very typical thing of like was became sore, things yes were just backwards, inversions versions. Yeah, and, she, and the same, um, her her mother worked with her reading her lines to her and her learning them by rote, repeating them with her mother. That that night of dress rehearsal when there wasn't anybody there and I sat be- behind the lighting board and we got to the last one of her lines and the tears were going down my face because she could do it. And when her, that was back in the old days of doing cats. Yes. When her first cat came back, she had an E. I was over the moon that she had an A she was she was devastated because her locker was next to my top girl who had an A plus
1: that's hard isn't it
2: and I said to her you know the other girl she didn't have to do any work she was lazy and she did nothing I am nowhere near as proud of her as I am of you because you worked and the difference and the improvement that you have made is what counts, not the fact that it's an E or an A+. plus. Yeah. You know, it, the difference is what you have worked to get there. So I think those things are, those things are incredible, highs. incredible highs.
1: And how... Fortunate was that student to have such a dedicated and empathetic teacher as you, Marg
2: because she'd slipped through the cracks for all of those other years because everyone had just said, oh, oh, Megan, she's a lovely
1: girl. Yeah, we'll just promote her. Yeah, Yeah, it it means a lot to you as an educator when you have those those small triumphs. And as you say, sometimes the students who are not as necessarily as able, it doesn't come as easily to them. You see their struggle and you have, as you say, more pride in them than the others where it just falls into place so easily for them. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you, can I tell you
2: another one that's a mixture of a high and a low?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, this could we could put this under a memorable experience. Oh, this yeah? is
2: absolutely memorable okay. and very personal. Um, you might recall from knowing me that 11 years ago, one of my sons
1: died. I do remember yep. that, and I was and, terribly uh, sad. And, and he,
2: he, he died on a Thursday night uh, in a car accident. Uh, a car crash, no such thing as a car accident, a car mm. crash. Mm. And uh, my year tens were two weeks out from performing Mother Courage. And I'd just been, after work, I'd been down to uh, to the Ringwood Army Barracks and picked up a whole heap of old uniforms that we were, were using. I had three huge cartons of uniforms in the back of my car. Uh, that was still there when I drove into into the hospital where mm. Carl was. Mm. And um, I, I was awake all night. I went to school in the morning to unload all of the costumes because I thought nothing brings Carl back anyway. Yes. And I thought I need to tell these kids that I cannot be here for them that right now. That there's been
1: a catastrophe. Yeah.
2: Um, the, uh, The the assistant principal was already in with them. She'd already told them so that they were prepared for it too. Mm -hmm. Um, And the kids and I said to them, you know, we're probably not being... We won't be able to go ahead. It was November. Yeah. We we probably can't get this thing together. And the kids said, doesn't matter whether you're here or not, Miss Henley, we're going to do this because you're our mother courage. And wow. two of those kids in particular, one, the girl who was playing Mother Courage, she drove those kids to make sure that and I didn't get there until dress rehearsal night and they had the production ready to go. Wow. And they were they were up and they were they were at them and they wrote the most beautiful things on a card to me. Um and um, sometimes when I'm feeling a bit over what I'm doing, I have to remember that to somebody, I'm their mother courage.
1: And that is such a significant memory. And, and,
2: the, and the memory keeps going because that girl who was mother courage, on the 21st of December last year, I had a phone call from her family asking me to speak at her funeral because
1: oh, she'd committed suicide. Mug now that's extraordinary an extraordinary coincidence because Margie Bainbridge who was here just before you was speaking about a student with a, in a situation like that and her, her memory of that was very very crisp and keen you know as yours is of this experience and I think it demonstrates that extraordinary investment that great drama and theatre teachers have in their students and the way the students uh, respond to that and reciprocate that under extremely difficult circumstances. And the story doesn't finish, but it continues tomorrow.
2: She had a brother who was considerably older than she was, Mm -hmm. about a seven or eight year difference. And I'd taught Steve years before. Tomorrow I will be groomsman at Steve's wedding.
1: Oh Marg! How's that? So this, the, you're really intertwined with all of this you know yeah. and as I say these are extraordinarily, these are tragedies but the links, the links that are built, forged out of these difficult times are incredible. And, you know, quite unique. And I think that says a lot about you as a person, but it's also about the nature of our subject. There's there's a sort of a... An, a quite a unique relationship between teachers of this subject area and their students.
2: We get to know them very, very differently. I was talking yes. to somebody just during the week about... Uh, about the, the performing arts teaching things, but particularly the drama things, if you don't have that rapport with the kids, if they don't have a trust in you, mm-hmm. if they are not willing to share some private stuff right from the beginning, mm-hmm. I don't mean secret stuff, No, that doesn't have to be particularly deep stuff, but right from the beginning, you know, just knowing, oh, you've got a little brother you pick up after school or, you
1: know, little things about... Yeah, them. sort of an honesty, you know, that you can transact with a student, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, and it, it it just... And the more you have to do with them, you know, the deeper your investment in that student becomes and, and you have this ext- very... Very unique and impo- and significant relationship with them, and so many of the legends have talked about this and and talked about what students mean to them that they worked with many many years ago. I mean, most of us have students that have sort of stayed underfoot. Yes, uh, don't well, we? like Steve. Who like you, Steve.
2: Yes. Absolutely. And he disappeared off the the face of the earth and I hadn't known quite what had happened to him until I ended up teaching his little little sister in Year 8 English, in fact. And father came to the parent-teacher interview and I thought... Hang on. Hang on. I know this 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 family. Yeah, I know this family, but I hadn't put it together from from the bits, and uh, I still hadn't really sort of heard from Steve. And then, when my son died, because Jenna was my mother, Courage, she of course told the family people, and I, out of the blue, I received uh, I received this beautiful email from Steve because I'd been saying to Jenna how I felt powerless about my my son dying Mm. and because it was a drug-related car accident he Mm. hadn't been the driver but it was that sort of risk-taking behavior that I hadn't been able to educate him in a way that he made choices that I would have liked him to have made.
1: Yeah.
2: And, uh, And Steve wrote me back This, well, wrote to me with this lovely, lovely email about if it wasn't for you, I'd have been one of the Croydon boys, and you possibly have to belong to the area to know what the implication of I that know. is. I know,
1: there were the Croydie boys and the Brodie boys, yes. there were the, yeah, well, and, and we see, we still see this now, there's always that those sorts of groups of disenfranchised kids, aren't they? And, you know, once again, what an amazing tribute that, you know, there was, there was you were there effectively as a stop to, to that, you know, he, you provided a sort of a moral compass for that kid at a time when he was potentially going to make a choice that was wrong or at risk you know yeah
2: and look he didn't
1: he didn't go to uni or anything when he
2: left school but he worked in the the bottle shop at ringwood liquor or something like that for about three years and then went, what am I doing and uh and applied to study drama at Latrobe oh okay so and so the circle <laughs> completes so, yes, isn't absolutely. it extraordinary yeah.
1: so mentors and collaborators that you've been fortunate enough to work with marg over the years
2: oh. now they've all really come through the vcaa uh-huh.
1: um
2: when we started teaching vce in 91 and 92 uh the vcaa back then had money that was a huge conference <laughs> remember down remember at lawn remember the conference That's, at lawn yeah, yeah i remember that with all the swisho sweets <laughs> and everything um, and and we didn't pay for it. It was free. The VCAA paid for it. But what came out of that was lots of little mentoring groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was involved in a group with oh goodness, Paul Freeman, Peter Kahn. Oh, what was her name? Something Brentnell. She was at Eltham College. Oh, you, um, um, long hair. Not I Karen. can't think um, what her yes. name was. But. Uh, uh, but yes, so, so and from there, uh, I became involved in assessing at the VCAA. I think my first year was 94. Mm-hmm. And then I did CAT review stuff with Paul Freeman and Peter. And then when we brought in the written exams, uh, I was working on those and I was chief assessor for three years or four years so they all much. run yeah. they all run into one another don't they I think 2003 to 2006 that's four years
1: it's sometimes a shock isn't it when you look back and you think oh you know you say 2004 and you think then you realize my goodness that's 12 years ago it's That's it's right. a blink of an eye isn't it? Yes, absolutely. A blink of an eye.
2: But I still love working with the VCAA. I love yeah. that sense of collaboration. I love the fact that our chief assessors never say, I'm the boss, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. It's very consultative and yeah, uh, collegiate, isn't it? Yeah. It's, a
1: very, it's a great organisation. Yeah. Um, the wind under the wings of, of our subject, really, yeah. and many others. Um, have you brought any memorabilia or anything that you'd like to share okay. with us mag i
2: i guess um, <laughs> i i have a i have a huge list of the shows that i've done and they're not musicals because i don't ever do the school production musical but right but uh, theatre within within classroom but i believe that's um in some ways more valid than the school production because the kids do they have ownership all of the work and they yes, do the work they yeah. do the work um, so um, the, the very first thing I did in 1990 as a full show, oh, well, in fact, I did two full shows that year. I did Dr. Faustus and I did Every Man.
1: What a lovely combination. What's the most recent one on your and list? The most recent one
2: on my list is Antigone. Lovely. Sof- and Sophocles' version. And that was actually the second time I've done that. There are very few things that I've done twice. The only things I've done twice are Sophocles and Women of Troy.
1: Yeah. Um, what a great list. And so both very different. Ballpark figure. How many productions there? <laughs> I don't know about. Forty, I suppose. Forty and just imagine the hours and hours of work. Is there anything else you've got in that wonderful little Um, pile of There there are things like this that reminds
2: us that It's taking our kids on excursions to the theatre. That's just a snapshot, not a very good one, of a group of kids standing on Croydon Station about to go to the theatre. To a live
1: performance. And
2: there'll be some of those kids in that picture who have never been to the theatre like that before. And it'll
1: be magical for them. Transformative Absolutely. for them, Yes. and what a privilege it is to be the one that introduces them to that experience, isn't it?
2: Yes, and I'm looking at that picture, and I can see, a girl, right up in the back here with the dark hair, who uh, who got an A plus and an invite to um, to, uh, to top acts. Lovely. She so, um, shouldn't do it, but yeah, that's their choice, isn't it?
1: It is their choice. Uh, Anything else? Um, this is a quite an interesting little grab bag. Oh, getting ready for VCE monologue. <laughs> oh
2: gosh, yes. You know? um, that's, uh, that, that's Lorca the Moon.
1: Oh, yes.
2: My first ever. My out of fir- Blood Wedding. Out of Blood Wedding. Mm-hmm. Yep. My first ever VCE production. Can we guess what it is? Romeo and Juliet? Close, Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> I was going to say Midsummer Night's Dream and then I saw the balcony. Yep, no, Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, and there's an interesting story about this one too. Uh, so if that was the first year of VCE, that was 1991, because uh-huh. that was the first year of Year 11 VCE and the next year was the Year 12 year. This boy here, who played Demetrius in the Scout uniform, uh, is a teacher who is now 41. I believe he'll be a conference <laughs> tomorrow. Um, he'd never taught VCE Theatre Studies before until last year. He'd always ta- taught theology and history and politics and a number of other things. Yeah. But he had a, had a VCE Theatre Studies class last year and he contacted me and he said, I'm going to do Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> so he came full so circle. So he came full circle. He did Midsummer Night's Dream and myself and two of those other 40-year-olds sat in the front row and giggled. <laughs>
1: Now, I've got an important question for you. And I think that in your case, this will be a very interesting answer because you have had significant challenges. What do you attribute the longevity of your career to, Mark?
2: Being a part-time teacher. Oh. Never, ever, ever working full-time.
1: Okay.
2: I uh, I originally took that job, Peter Walbridge, who was... Um, was the director or the president at uh, at Drama Vic, was um, was 0.5 Drama Vic, 0.5 at at Croydon. 0.5 at Croydon suited me just fine because I had four children under the age of six and a half. And so that suited me really fine. I said when the kids got bigger, I would move myself up to full time. Well, when all the kids went to school five years later, I said... Okay, I'll go up. I went up to point seven, and I have never gone any further. Yeah. It's not good money-wise, and it's been a bit tough because I was a single mum. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, it's meant that I haven't burnt out.
1: Yeah, yes you can you could keep both arenas of your life rumbling along nicely yeah i I can see that because i I went i did the opposite i went part like you part-time with small children and then full-time 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 until it was got to a point where it was like well i either do that or i do that because i can't do both well so it's got to be one or the other yeah
2: so that and of course Working at a school that had wonderful colleagues, yes. that were really supportive, and, and the kids, the kids, the kids, all, kids the kids, the creativity, the kids, energised. If if you
1: if you didn't have the kids, well, you wouldn't be a teacher. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So very quickly, because we're about to run yeah. out of time, any advice to the drama educators of the future, Marg?
2: Learn when to say no.
1: <laughs> I like that,
2: that's succinct yeah. so, Learn when to say no
1: On that note, Marg, can I thank you for coming in And being part of this interview process We're really grateful, it's fantastic to sit down and talk To people like yourself that have uh, you know, Had such a, a long and enriching career In this area, it's been great Here's to you Marg Henley
2: Thank you. I get to drink the blood.
1: No, you don't get to drink it. It's fake. Just
0: like a pop. Well, that's all from us at The Aside. There are 49 other Mama interviews you might like to listen to, so please do feel free to go and find those and have a listen. Thank you to all the people involved in conducting the Mama interviews. The list is extensive. Happy 50th birthday to Drama Victoria. And thank you to the 50 Legends for giving us their time. If you would like to ask the Aside a question or you have a suggestion for a future episode, please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening.